to this morning. As Bruce mentioned, we are launching a new message series called Better Together. And in this whole series, we're going to be looking at just how much better life really is when we do it with other people, when we share life with other people. We are made to walk through the good, the bad, even the ugly parts of life in groups, in community with other people. We want, you know, we want to be able to enjoy life with others and, and for people to enjoy us. That's an important thrust of what we find in the Bible. And life, just life in general, happens in groups. We're not unaware of this. All of us know that pretty much life happens in groups. We're born into a group. We're born into a family. Maybe small, but you are born into a family. You're raised by a family. Educated in a class. You have a graduating class. People that you go through education with and you graduate with. We play on teams. We relate in social circles. Google even has Google circles where you can you know, keep your people connected. There's you know, Facebook. There's connection points for that way. Most of us work in groups where we have coworkers, and that could be a good experience or a bad experience, but, but we're used to this. Life happens in groups. And it's not just an incidental part of life. It, it, it's that God actually designed life to work this way. If you back up to the beginning of time, here's what you find out. You find this in Scripture. This is in your top of your listening guide if you'd like to follow along. God is the author of community. This came from Him. Community, groups, it came from Him. In the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, God, He created everything. And He did this in a manner that none of us could pull off. He just said, hey, let there be light, and boom, there's light. And he, through his spoken word, he spoke things into existence out of nothing. He didn't start with something and then form that, you know, nothing into something. He, he started with nothing. Out of nothing, he formed all that we see and experience. And he did that, you know, through speaking things into existence. Let there be light. Boom, there was light. And at the end of his creating each day, he saw that he created things and he said, he declared, it was good. If you read this portion of the Bible, you saw he makes light and he says, you know, at the end of the day, he said that it was good. He creates the sky, he said that it was good. He creates, you know, the waters, it was good. He creates vegetation, seeds, it was good. It was good. Animals, it was good. He gets to mankind and something wasn't quite right. It was good, but something wasn't quite right. He doesn't make the same statement that he makes. So look at Genesis 2 verse 18. It says this, then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So he declares that it's not like everything else I've made. There's something not quite right about the man. He's missing something. So God says, I will make a helper fit. That word in, in the Hebrew, it, it means complementary opposite. A helper fit. It's It's... It's kind of like the picture of a puzzle piece that is missing. Clearly, it's a puzzle piece. It's missing something. You find the other piece, you join them together, and then those two pieces clearly fit together, and they form a unit together. So upon looking o- over creation, God sees that man was all alone. The, the Hebrew term for the word alone, it basically just means separate from or apart from. It's like if you were to cut off your arm. That wouldn't be a good thing. Clearly, your arm would shrivel up. It would cease to operate. It would just cease to function. Any part of the body severed from the body doesn't do well, does it? I don't know if you've had that experience. 
Any part of a tree that you go chop off a limb of a tree, a branch of a tree, it doesn't do well, does it? It, it just, it's separate from, it's alone. The scriptural term here is, it's alone. It's separate from, apart from. And so God, He made the woman out of Adam so that the man would not be isolated, so he wouldn't be alone. She was going to provide some things. One is, she was going to provide companionship as Adam as he set out to do the things God had assigned him to do. She was going to provide companionship. And then secondly, she would also allow Adam to create family, to create a family and for them to fill the earth and with other families and eventually communities to be formed. All of this was going to happen as he brought Eve on the scene. In Genesis 1.28, we read this. God blessed them. Back up one chapter when he just describes what happened in making man and woman. He made male and female and says, God blessed the male and the female and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This was part of God's design. This is what he has had in line all along, or in mind. He made human life to work far better together than just separate and alone. And it's not just, that's not just the case of marriage. That is just the case of relationships. It's better when we're in relationships. It's better when we're in communities. This, not everybody in Scripture that lived a godly life, a purposeful life, was married. Some of the key individuals in Scripture never got married. Jesus, Paul. And there's people that played a significant role that, that the thrust of the human life is not marriage. That's a part of what God is trying to do for some. But the thrust of human life was not marriage. But life happens better in groups. And we discover this in the Scripture. That in studies, if you look at it, studies have actually shown that isolation actually damages. When you isolate yourself, and you back off from the group, it damages. Um, studies show that people who are isolated um, succumb to heart disease and depression. And so isolation literally kills. It's damaging. Whenever we isolate ourselves it's like we're breathing, but we're not fully alive. Whenever we isolate ourselves from groups, from community, from relationships, we're breathing, but something is not functioning as it should. And so what God shows us in Genesis chapter 2 is that for Adam, He, he shows us this through Adam, that paradise is just another place to be if you're not sharing it with someone else. He's in paradise. I mean, he is in... God has just made this amazing things, But it's, paradise is just another place to be if you're not sharing it. With others, and so you you probably have experienced that. I certainly have. I had a job in in right out of college where I was in sales and I traveled and I was married and I traveled sometimes for a week at a time, uh, a couple times even two weeks at a time, and I traveled through the western region of our country and I had I think 13 states I would just go and sell our product to and I'd start little projects and different things. Well, we started a project in Hawaii and I was all excited about that. I got to go to Hawaii, you know, and I was all fired up. You get, to, you get to ride the waves in Hawaii, and you just get to take in the vibe of Hawaii, and it's really a fun experience. But after doing that, and I'm in paradise, I realized, man, this is kind of a bummer to do this by myself. So, you know, thankfully my wife was able to join me on a, on a trip or two, I think two trips. Uh, we brought some friends who met us out there, and we had this great time. Because it's the same idea. Paradise is just, it's just another place to be. When, when you really aren't sharing that with others. There's this thrust towards community that God wants us to experience, towards relationships. I want to show you a video clip kind of describing how important staying together, working together, remaining connected is.
This is from a, a video. It's called Defiance. And it's, it's a movie about a group of people who are fighting for their own survival in the forests of German-occupied Poland. And so this group of people, they are fleeing and trying not to be killed and wiped out by the Germans. And these two brothers, these two brothers, the Bielski brothers, they take responsibility to look, look after this large group of, of fleeing Polish Jews. And, and they're, they're trying to help the group stay together. These two men, these brothers, who really like help lead and keep the group together. So take a look at what happens, because anytime a group is together, there's sometimes a pull back towards isolation that we feel to protect our own interests. And so take a look at this video clip. You are Tuvia Bilski? You know me? We heard of you in Vilno. Vilno? My sister is My family is there. Yes, he came without warning. It's all good. <gasps> <gasps> we'll be better off in the ghetto. <laughs> this year we are safe. Where at least we had hope. No, here we have hope. Do we? We have no food. Tomorrow will be another mistake. No, Look what happened last there. time. That was a mistake. The mistake will not be made. Well, how do you know? We may be here a long time, so we have to prepare. How? Better security. Better at getting food. We don't have weapons. People are getting sick. We cannot afford revenge. Not now. We, we cannot afford to lose friends like Yakov and Peretz. Or the soil. anyone. We will map out where we have been so as not to visit the same farms too often and we will take only from those who can afford to give and we will leave those who can't alone. Our revenge is to live. The poorest farmer has more than us. Quiet. What I am saying is we are not thieves. Or murderers. We may be hunted like animals, but, but we will not become animals. We have all chosen this. To live here free like human beings for as long as we can. Every day of freedom is like an act of faith. And if we should die, trying to live, then at least we die like human beings.
Notice what he keeps saying over and over. He keeps saying, we, we, we. We've got to stay together. We're not going to let anybody, you know, go off on their own. We're going to take care of each other. Everyone's important. He's really talking about the idea that everyone is belongs. They need to stay together. They need to work together. Um, people in the group start talking about ideas that, you know, let's steal. Let's, and what's happening in this is people are thinking of themselves, if, if I stay with the group, then I might not be taken care of. And so some people are thinking of departing from the group to do their own thing, to protect their own interests. And, and this guy, he's as things are unraveling, as people are bickering and complaining, he just keeps working to pull things back to the group, to the community. And see, we have this pull towards isolation and away from community at times. And where that comes from is sin. All of us have decided to rebel from God. We've lost our connection to God. And what that's done is it's broken our fellowship. It's also led to a, a, a self-focus that just damages family life, group life, friendships. And you see this just in our own just interaction. We have this selfish side to us where we get isolated. We want to move back from the group. You see this with the very first man and woman, Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3, we read about how they rebelled. Probably familiar with the story. God told them you can... Enjoy this garden. You can enjoy, you know, eat from the trees and everything, but you can't eat from this one tree. Well, they blew past the boundaries. They sinned. They violated God's command. And then when they did that, they're confronted by God. God confronts them. And they go into a self-protection mode. Now look at what Adam says. The man said, he points the blame. The woman, he points at her, the woman that you gave to me she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. He doesn't accept responsibility. He, he blames it on the woman and God. It's her fault. Well, it's kind of your fault because you gave her to me, but it's her fault. She picked the fruit. She gave it to me. I ate it. What he's doing here is he, it's a pretty self-focused move here by Adam, isn't it? This is the response of the first man to shirk his responsibility. <laughs> God, I was better off without her was better off without her. But this is what sin does. It pulls us right back to isolation, to where we just move away from the group. And that's, that pulls us away from what God desires. If you move to the very next chapter, I don't have a verse up here on the screen for you, but in, in Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve's first son is named Cain. Their second son is named Abel. And Abel presents an offering to God from his very best. He gives this offering that's accepted by God. It's a pleasing offering. God saw it was a sacrificial offering. And God accepted it. But his older brother Cain offered something that wasn't pleasing to God. It was kind of like he gave God his leftovers and God wasn't pleased with his offering. And so when Cain saw that God wasn't pleased, he got jealous of his brother's gift. He was jealous of his brother. It led him to murder his brother. So the first son murders the second son of creation. You know, this is the first family. Kills his brother. And God confronts Cain and says, where's your brother? Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? And God, of course, God knows that Cain has murdered his brother. And Abel says, your brother's blood is crying out from the ground. And, and God banishes Cain from the land. And he said, you're going to be a restless wanderer all the days of your life. God put a mark on Cain so that he wouldn't be harmed. We don't exactly understand or know what, how God used that to protect him. But he said, you're going to be a restless wanderer, but you're not going to be able to remain in this land. And so he's forced to leave. We've probably heard that story before, but one of the things we typically don't think about is Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve 
their, their baby, their youngest son is killed, Abel. Their oldest son is driven from the land, driven away from them. And so here they find themselves isolated from community. Isolated again from what God had planned for them. Isolated from filling the earth. This is, you know, the command they were given was to multiply, to fill the earth. And here they are back to just the two of them. But they still had this deep need for connection. See, the longing for community is wired in from God. They still had that deep need for connection and community. And so they, they had another son. His name was Seth. And through Seth, they began to rebuild a, a, a family who would obey God, who would follow God. But God, he's the author of community. He wants us to enjoy it. And since rebellion, since sin, God has been working to restore mankind back into relationships, right relationships. Here's another thing from your outline. We see how much God values community by what he does in history. You can trace this through the stories in the Bible. And I want to highlight several right right now. When you look over history, as God works his plan out, there's this pattern that emerges in Scripture And it's a pattern that emerges as God works to redeem the world. He chooses first a leader. He he raises up a leader or some leaders, someone that he can really count on, someone who will follow his direction and willing to take a risk. He always uses leaders. One of those initial leaders that we find early on in Genesis chapter 12 is Abram. Abram, in Genesis 12, 1, it reads this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, and to the land that I will show you. He, he's going to do something through this man, this, this leader. So he chooses Abram. The very next thing God does is he forms a community. Raises up a leader. Then he forms a community. Very next verse. He has this pattern. God has a pattern of working through groups of people. So in verse 2, God tells Abram, I will make of you a great nation. Meaning, I will make out of you, out of you will come a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great. Not just, you're going to have a good name, but your reputation, your fame, who you are, all that you stand for, what you believe, your name is going to be great. And then he makes this statement, so that you will be a blessing. So, community, God, God has this purpose to work through community to do something. Here's Webster's uh, definition of community. Just scan through that for a moment. Having something common interest with people living in a particular area. There's these groups of people with things in common. But before Jesus, the, the primary community that God was working through was the nation of Israel. That was who God, the community that God decided to work through, the nation of Israel. And since Jesus, he's been working through the church in its various forms. The their last aspect of this pattern is, you know, first he rises up, he chooses a leader, he forms a community, and then second or third, he reaches through the community to the world around them. He 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 works through com- the community itself, through the group, through the church, through his people to bless the world, to reach the world, to rescue the lost. He does this through the community. This is the pattern over and over in Scripture. So verse three reads this. He says to Abram, I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that's the pattern. Take a look at the pattern just all together. He chooses a leader, he forms a community, and then he reaches through the community to the world around it. He does this over and over through history. And what this does is it shows us just how high of a priority and value community is to God. He accomplishes his worldwide mission through groups, 
through community. This flows out of who God is. This is what we've been trying to, to do since we started five years ago. We didn't just move out here alone. We moved with a group. You know, I, I led the charge in a sense, but I was not alone. Because seven people or five people signed up, said, hey, we'll go with you. We'll form the first group. But he did this. He chose a leader. He formed a group here. And then through the group, we've been reaching out to the community around us. And, and in a sense, we've just been doing not anything by our own playbook. We're just following the playbook and the pattern that you see in Scripture throughout the pages of Scripture. All, all the time in Scripture, things begin to unravel in groups. This is a story of Nehemiah. I'm not going to tell you much about it, but Nehemiah was a leader that God used to pull together the community, the people of Israel, to rebuild. And through that community, he was going to bless and reach more people. He just keeps using this pattern. Chooses a leader, forms a community, and then reaches the world through that community. Jesus, he's on the same page. He uses the same pattern. Look at this prayer in John chapter 17. Toward the end of his life, says this. He prays. He's praying for the disciples, so he says, My prayer is not for them alone, speaking of the disciples. He says, But I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them, he's speaking about future believers, that's all of us. That, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. See, God himself, he's the model of community. This pattern flows out of who he is in his nature. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Then he says, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And again and again, he just goes through this pattern. He just starts talking through. You see this. He chose the disciples. They were the leaders. He formed a community through the church. And then he keeps blessing the world through the through the community of the church. In another place, you see the beginning of Jesus' movement, the first church, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Luke, one of the, the authors that God used to write one of the books, or a couple books of the Bible, he writes this to describe the interaction of the first century church. And he says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe with many wonders, Miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The apostles were the leaders that he chose. Then it goes on to say, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They would sell their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he has need. It wasn't welfare. What it was was that people pitched in. If they were able-bodied, they worked and they would pitch in. But they would care for each other. There was consideration and concern, not just for my isolated unit, but I'm, I'm in this together. So he forms a community. He chose apostles to be leaders. Then he forms this community. Now keep going. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So he goes through and you see that's the final part of the pattern. He reaches through the community to the world around them. People were being saved. Daily added to their number. Then if you fast forward, you get a glimpse of heaven. Revelation chapter 21, Revelation 21 verse 2 says, And I saw the holy city. This is John, one of the disciples. He's got this vision of the future. And he says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, 
adorned for her husband. And he says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is, what with, is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He describes heaven and it's a city. It's this city. It's this community and God is right in the middle of it. And the community is interacting with joy, with perfect relationships. Heaven is going to be this place where the verse goes on, talks about there won't be any tears. No, you know, none, of the, none of the things that break families down, break friendships down, none of those things will be possible. In heaven, there will be this interaction that is um, refreshing. There's interaction that will be... You, you won't be able to backstab anyone. You won't be able to, to hurt anyone. You, there's just... I mean, just take that in for a moment. Just to be able to enjoy relationships at their best. You know, through the community, though. But this is the pattern you see over and over. So what's our next step? For us, on the back side of your listening guide, it says God wants us to get connected. He doesn't want us just to remain isolated as individuals. He wants us to be connected because He's the author of community and He, he keeps nudging us towards involvement, investment, participation, using my gifts, Sharing with others, sharing my life with others, letting people in below the surface, really letting people get to know me. But it starts with this. First, God wants us to get connected to Him. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Paul writes, God's purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two. He's speaking about how there were the Jews and then the Gentiles, the non-Jews. He said, but in this, His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which He put to death their hostility. He's saying, the cross has abolished the division of relationships. But it's the cross that pulls us together, but we need to remain connected. We need to get connected to Him. This is like the ultimate priority in Scripture, is that we would connect ourselves to Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, we'd love to help you nail that down. We'd love to have dialogue with you about what that really means. And on the back of the connection card, you can just check that box at the top right, and it We'll send you some information on how to begin a relationship with Christ. But that's the first priority. But then second, God wants us to get connected to the church community by finding friends. He wants us to get involved, to pursue relationships in church life, to actually get to know other people. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 24. It says this. It says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see... This first phrase here, a man of many companions may come to ruin, it reminds us that if we just have a bunch of acquaintances of surface level connections, that's really not enough. It's really not enough to just, you know, to have 900 Facebook friends on the surface, is it? That's not enough. If, if it doesn't go any deeper than, I know him, I know her. Well, I knew about her, I, knew, I know about him, I know a lot of things about him, or I know a lot of things about her, and... You know, if that's what our relationships consist of, that may come to ruin. We we need more than that. But there's a friend who sticks closer than their brother. You know, there there is. We have a deep, deep need to be known by others, to know others, and to be known by others. And so there's this pattern we see in Scripture that God He uses the community to both be a blessing to individuals in it, but then really to bless the world, the community around them. He reaches through the community to reach others. I'd like to invite the band to come up. 
And if you want to take out this white connection card in a moment, our ushers are going to be preparing right now to receive our tithes and offerings. So if you'd like to also prepare to give, if you're planning to give, you can do that as well. Um, but if you drop this white connection card in the offering basket when it comes around, it lets us know that you were here. You can communicate any comments, any prayer requests to us on this card. Um, but on the back, top left, it's got the next steps from our message. So if you'd like to, to you know, check any of these as a point of application, you can go ahead and do that. The first one is pursue friendships in the church community here at OCC. You know, it's the, the whole area of getting connected in a church is, n- is a nostalgic thing. We sometimes have a romantic view of it that's somewhat unrealistic because it takes intentional effort on our part to get connected to people, doesn't it? It takes an effort. And so uh, our hope is that you would find a place to connect here. And, and we, did a, uh, we did like a brief survey at a meeting recently. And I asked the question of a group, maybe about 40 or 50 people, and I said, who here like, got connected because someone invited you to lunch? And the far majority of people's hands shot up. That, that for them being invited to something, someone being intentional with them, to ask them to, to, to do something, whether it was invited to lunch or invited to coffee or something like that, was really what helped them get connected in our, in our church. And, you know, that doesn't happen completely. That doesn't happen all the time. You may be like, you know, that's never happened to me. To pursue friendships, to find good friends, you have to be a good friend yourself. And that's what you discover in Scripture. To make good friends, you have to be a good friend. And so what I would encourage you to do is pursue friendships by taking the initiative, getting to know people. Lunch is a great way to start, coffee, things like that. I'm not talking about dating in our church right now. I'm talking about trying to help people get connected. Second, sign up for a small group today. Sign up for a small group today. I'm not opposed to dating in our church. I'm just going to say that too, okay? But sign up for a small group today or... Sign up for the OCC preview. If, you've, if you're here and you're investigating um, our church and you'd like to learn more about what we believe and what getting better connected is all about, then uh, come to that meeting next week. Um, but if you're ready to sign up for a, a, a group, whether it be to continue on in Discipleship Group 2 or to sign up for one of those five life groups, we would love for you to get connected. All these groups are going to be, you know, there's leaders that we would like for you to get around and to get to know. And so... God is the author of this. This wasn't just our idea. Let's form groups. This is His idea. And so we're simply just obeying Him with what He has said. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And we'll pray for our offering as well. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for drawing us here, for reminding us, God, to, to, um, to be in fellowship this morning, to be in worship this morning. Thank You for, for helping us to set aside this time to just give You um, this hour of our week to focus, to learn, to respond to connect, to relate, to share. God, there's all sorts of things that happens when we get involved that just can't happen if we're isolated. And so, God, I pray that you just keep um, helping us to take steps. Lord, would you grant us the courage to take a step forward as it relates to involvement in our church community? Lord, if it's not here, if people don't sense this is the place for them, Lord, I pray that they wouldn't um, allow any excuse to prevent them to be involved somewhere faithfully. God, your purpose in our life is 
found as we work through the community that you established. And so, Lord, I pray that you would allow our people here to really experience your plans at work in their lives. Lord, I pray for those that may not know you. Lord, would you just give them the courage to ask questions, to begin dialogues, to learn more about what it means to really know you and really walk with you and have assurance of eternal life. We love you and we thank you for this opportunity to give back to you out of just uh, what you've provided to us, Lord. We thank you for those who've been faithful to give in our church, whether it's you know online or in service, God. We just thank you for those that remain committed in this area and allow us to do the ministry that goes on here. We pray that you continue to to provide for all the needs that our church has. And we just pray that these offerings we give would be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.